Welcome to Peaceful Parenting with Pam. I am your host, Pamela Query, and I am here to help you keep your cool while still getting your kids to cooperate so you can parent in a peaceful way and actually enjoy being a parent. That means no more endless negotiating, lecturing, or explaining. No need for threats, bribes, or consequences. No more daily yelling. So if you want to create a peaceful family, I'm here to show you how. Welcome. Welcome, dear parents. Today I am talking about sleep. And I want to talk to you about, I'm going to share five simple um, and perhaps perhaps unexpected ways to help your child sleep well. Now that might be sleeping in their own bed all night. It might be staying in their own bed. It might be getting off to sleep well, more quickly, more easily. It might be getting to sleep themselves without you there, uh, without you having to stay in the room, in the bed with them. So, um, and you know, this is different for everybody. This is, people have lots of different priorities over this. So I'm not saying that you have to, that your child must go to sleep by themselves or must go to sleep without you being in the room or must stay in their bed all night. Um, but if, you know, if that's what you're looking for, um, then, this, I, I want to talk about some ways I can support you with that. But what I would say is that it's really important that you check in with yourself and do what's right for you um, and do what's right for your family and do what's what's going to support your needs and support your child's needs best. So I'm really coming from that place. There's not one way to parent. There's not one way to do this. Um, you do it. You do it. It's about checking in with yourself and doing what works best for you. So just to start by, um, I, I'd love to share a little bit about my own um, story around co-sleeping and bed sharing. And um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into it too much, but I just wanna share where I'm coming from. Um, when I first became a mum, which is now 10 and a half years ago, I held, I hadn't really thought about it. I hadn't, I just hadn't really thought about how, how babies sleep or all the challenges that are around that. I was blissfully unaware of all of that. Um, and I certainly had, a, um, I held a cultural belief that bed sharing was wrong, that it was dangerous, that, and I just knew there was no way I was going to bed share, you know, that babies slept in cots and babies slept in Moses baskets, right? And that was it. That's all I knew about it. Um, and then whenever my daughter was born, uh, very quickly I realised that she had different ideas and that she um, did not feel safe sleeping in a Moses basket uh, beside my bed, that she needed to feel me and um, hear me and be in very close contact with me in order to feel safe enough to sleep. Um, and it took me about three nights, um, three nights of sleep deprivation, three nights of laying her down, getting her off to sleep after a feed and lying her down in her Moses basket, sound asleep only for her to wake, you know, about three minutes later, just when I was drifting off to sleep. And it was like torture. It was awful. So I, I, I remember just thinking to myself, what is going on here? I can't. Um, I can't I can't function like this this is there's there's something not adding up here and I very quickly realized right you know children evolutionary speaking very helpless newborn babies they need to be in close contact with their parents with their with their mum um, so that they can go off to sleep uh, they, they, they feel safe enough to sleep so that was my conclusion um, and uh, I started bed sharing 
and I looked up all the safe co-sleeping guidelines and all of that and then we shared uh, we, we bed shared for for several years for quite a few years after that um, and when my son was born we went straight into bed sharing and I knew that that was the right thing for us uh, and you know if bed sharing's not if you didn't bed share or if bed sharing's not the right thing for you that's completely fine as well that was the conclusion I came to that's what worked for me that's what worked for my daughter that's what she, I really felt that she needed at the time um, but you know there is no whatever way you choose is I trust that that is right for your family and when you see other people's choices for bed sharing I mean there's just no judgment there because people have different experiences people have different capacities and capabilities there you haven't walked in their shoes so um you know it's about finding out what works best for you and your family but undoubtedly there are lots of advantages of bed sharing um, that you know children love the closeness um, it, often as a parent you get more sleep that way if they're right there and you can attend to them without having to get out of bed um, so yeah it has a lot of it has a lot of advantages and I'm a, a huge fan of bed sharing um, but the thing is as your child grows you you might not enjoy bed sharing anymore for many reasons and if you do enjoy it and your child sleeps in your bed until they are, you know, whatever age, until they are five or ten or probably not, probably by the time they get to 15, they probably won't want to bed share with you anymore. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but it's all about what works for you and what's working for your child. Um, so but as they get a little bit older and I'm talking about from now on, what I'm talking about is, is babies and children that are certainly older than one. Uh, because I think it's different when they're uh, under one, especially if you're breastfeeding and breastfeeding at night and all of that. So I'm talking about slightly older children. Um, and then I'm going to focus more on, you know, sort of age, you know, two, three, four plus, whenever they're sleeping, they're, they're not maybe as dependent on you. They're sleeping in their own beds. Uh, so just to be clear, I'm not talking about young babies who need to be responded to very well at night all the time. Um, we won't get into that. But... Um, so you're, as your child grows, you might not enjoy bed sharing for many, there might be many reasons. Maybe you can't sleep. Maybe your child is very noisy or they move around a lot in the bed. Um, maybe they take up too much space. Maybe they make you too hot or too sweaty. Maybe they're right on top of you at nighttime and it's just really claustrophobic for you and you just need some personal space. Maybe you just want to sleep in, on your own in your bed, either with your partner or if you don't have a partner, you might just want your own space at night. You just want to say goodnight to your child and have that bit of space um, so that you're on your own until morning. Um, so, and that is completely valid. That is, you know, if, if that's what your needs are. Parenting is very intense. Um, and if that's, what, if that's what you need in the moment, I totally get that. Um, and, the, you know, the good news is that you can transition your child to sleeping on their own, in their own bed, all night, without doing them emotional harm, without breaking the trust, without damaging your relationship, without leaving them to cry it out, and without abandoning them. You can absolutely do it in a very safe and, and, and connected and trauma-informed and safe, trusting way with your child. It's absolutely possible, and that's what I'm gonna talk about today. Um, 
Uh, and, and just to say as well, it, this is different for, for every child. You know, some children are high needs, some of them have had a traumatic birth, they may have been born premature, they may have medical issues, they may have, you may have some stresses and strains going on in your family so that your child might benefit from that extra closeness at night. So this is about knowing your own child, knowing your own situation um, and doing what's right for you. So there isn't a right age or a right time uh, to move a child into their own bed or to uh, or to expect a child to sleep through the night or to sleep on their own that's very much your decision um, so what I think it is is best to check in with yourself um, what feels right for you um, are you getting resentful are you getting resentful if your child being there all the time do you need a break and do you need to be able to sleep on your own um, and then also to check in with your child and how they are with bedtimes and with nighttime and with sleep. You know, are they very rigid in their behaviour and their and what they need at bedtime in order to rest and to sleep well? Um, are they struggling and not you know with multiple wakings and with you know being very rigid that they need to have you right there? Uh, they aren't able to um, get up and go to the toilet and go back to sleep themselves. So you know what's working for them um, is, is that difficult for them as well? Um, and just to say, I think it's absolutely okay to put your need for sleep first. Um, and this, I'm talking about older children, not tiny babies. But um, you may have been living with weeks and months and years of disturbed sleep, and that takes its toll. Um, and you, you know, I think that sometimes parents think, you know, I need to bed share, I need to co-sleep um, in order for my child to have a secure attachment. But whenever you're doing that, whenever that is too much for you and, and you're exhausted, um, then that can that can make it difficult for you to parent and be connected with your child during the day and to meet their needs during the day. Um, so really by paying attention to your own needs, you can show up in the best way possible as a parent. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, you could you could co-sleep for years because that's what you think your child needs to feel loved and secure. But you're completely resentful and worn out, so that's not going to serve anybody. Um, so uh, th this is there's no right way. It's about checking in with you, noticing how your child is, and working out what you want. And it's okay to put your needs first because when you take care of your own needs, you are more able to meet the needs of your child. So that's really important. Um, so, um, you know, or you maybe you're not at that stage of transitioning your child into their own bed. Maybe it's maybe they're in their own bed already. Maybe they're a little bit older. They've been sleeping in their own bed for a while. But bedtime is a nightmare. Um, it takes a really long time. It takes a long time for them to fall asleep. They need to have you right there. And that's not working for you. You're too tired at that time of day. You just want to be able to support them to go to sleep on their own, to fall asleep by themselves, which is completely possible. Um, or maybe they go to sleep and then they're into you, they wake and they come into you in the middle of the night and they need you know, multiple wakings and they end up in your bed and then you don't get a lot of sleep. So that might be going on as well. It is really possible to support your child to sleep all night on their own. It's absolutely possible. Now, will they be upset about it? Will they be upset about this change? Yes, probably. They probably will have some big feelings about it. And that is absolutely okay. That is okay for them to be upset. Children have a full range of feelings um, and as long as we're there to support them, as long as we're not um, leaving them alone to deal with those big feelings, then it's absolutely okay for them to be sad, to be angry, to be frustrated, 
um, at the fact that you're not going to that you're changing things and that you're not going to um, stay with them while they fall asleep or you're not going to allow them to come into your bed anymore in the middle of the night um, uh, and um, the thing is that if they are upset it means that they have some big feelings probably about separation or probably from the stresses and all the different things that have happened them throughout their day those feelings are accumulating and they might be what is holding them back from sleeping well um, and in fact by addressing this issue of sleep you can help your children let go of some of these feelings that they're carrying around with them and you can actually support them to have the confidence to sleep all night so um, I really love what um, you may be aware of Marion Rose from Aware Parenting. I love what she says about what children that children need three things to sleep well. Um, she says the first thing they need to be tired, number two they need to be connected, and number three they need to be relaxed. So the tiredness thing, yes, we all we need to be tired in order to be able to fall asleep. We need to, um, and you know, if we try to, to, to put a, a, one of our children to sleep at like six in the evening and they're just not tired, we're going to be fighting against that. So they do need to feel tired. That's a basic ingredient of um, sleep that most of us are aware of. Um, the second one is that they need to feel connected. Um, and this is very much a survival mechanism. If children don't feel connected, then they're not safe. So as we evolved, um, we evolved to always be looking out for connection with a safe adult and if we don't have that then we go on high alert we go into our fight or flight we we need to signal that we're not safe and to find an adult who's going to keep us safe so connection is really really important and it's the same at bedtime that that's a very vulnerable time for 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 children and babies in terms of survival so um, it's really important that they feel connected at bedtime that they know that somebody's looking out for them and that doesn't mean you have to be with them all night it, it doesn't mean that at all but they need to have that sense, strong sense of connection with you before they go to sleep and I'll talk a little bit more about that later and then the third thing is that they need to feel relaxed and if you think about yourself if you've had a really busy day or if you had a really stressful day or there's a lot going on in your head um, it's very hard to relax um, and you know I think about you know if I do something if I do like a like last night I did my masterclass I did that in the evening and then afterwards my head is like <laughs> and all this stuff is going through my head and I'm completely on and alert and it's really hard just to to wind down and relax I need to I need to wind down from that and relax enough so that I can actually get to sleep myself so our children are exactly the same if lots of things happen to them during the day if they've had a very stimulating day um, if you know they've had so many different experiences going on um, and they need to feel relaxed enough to actually be able to sleep and even it's not just even from the day itself so over the course of days and weeks and months children experience all kinds of feelings they experience fear they experience disappointment they experience frustration sadness grief excitement joy upset you know they're, they're they are experiencing all these feelings and these feelings tend to get packed away and it, hand in hand parenting we talk about this little emotional backpack that our children and us as well as adults that we have this little emotional backpack that we carry around with us and um, unless we're able to listen to our children's feelings in the moment uh, which sometimes we can do and sometimes we can't then if we can't listen in the moment then those feelings get packed away into their little emotional backpack 
and that can get quite heavy and it can become quite hard work to keep all those feelings in there all the time um, and that can get in the way of our children feeling relaxed enough to sleep. So let, if you take the example of say if a child is at school and they fall and they hurt their knee and there isn't an adult there who's able to listen to their upset. If you were there, you would come over, they would look at you and they would, they would burst into tears and you would listen to that upset about the hurt knee and you could listen all the way through to that. They could get that out of their system and then they would run away and play again. But let's just say they're at school and there isn't a, an adult there that they feel safe enough with or that can respond to them. So that hurt goes in and they hold on to it and it, it gets lodged away in their little emotional backpack, which is actually their limbic brain, their emotional brain. It gets stored away as a, a little marker gets put onto it. I need to deal with that later. And then um, you come and collect them from school. And often, um, as soon as you get home, their behavior goes all haywire and they get all upset about something really small. And, and you know that upset is what's happening is it's trying to come up and trying to come out and, and trying to be heard. Um, and if we aren't able to listen to our children, it gets packed away back down again. Then it comes to bedtime and, you know, they've got this accumulation of different things, different experiences like this that have happened from very early days all the way through. Um, and those can get in the way of our children being able to sleep well. Um, so, um, and it, you know, the thing is then if we can listen to those feelings of upset whenever we can, um, that is going to help our children empty out that emotional backpack and let go of emotional tension and as they empty that out they become more flexible they become more relaxed and they are able to sleep better okay so um and often what i notice is that children can become very rigid in their bedtime rut routines and us adults us parents where we feed into that an awful lot because we are trying to help our children get relaxed enough to sleep so our children's bedtime routines can be very very rigid um, and what is happening there is that our our, ch our children are they're very smart they're creating ways to keep that emotional backpack closed tight they're they're finding ways um to keep all those feelings in there because we none of us want to feel these uncomfortable feelings we just want to push them away until as much as we can um, uh, and not have to feel them so our kids are the same they just want to pack everything away and and forget about it but the thing is that that makes it harder for them to sleep and um, so you know they might insist that you you read them a certain number of stories they might have to have their their two stories or their three stories every night and then you have to sing a song and then you have to rub their back in a certain way or play with their hair or they must have their special teddy here and their special blankie there and they must have the door left like this and you must stay right beside them so they can get into these very rigid patterns of trying to to keep a lid on all these feelings that these emotions that might be bubbling up and that are preventing them from sleeping well so often what happens is we play along with this increasingly extravagant system um, uh, you know we might have a a, a a story they have to have on or like a podcast that they have to listen to or some special sounds they have to listen to all these things um, and we, we play along with that in the hope that um, we'll help them to sleep um, when what they might actually need is for us to set a limit around some of those things um, and say no I'm, I'm not going to read you three stories tonight and you do that, you don't do it with, you're not getting three stories tonight. You do it with as much connection. So you're offering them that connection that they need. Um, and you're saying, no, I'm sorry. Tonight, we're not going to have that extra story. But I'm, I'm right here and I'm listening to any upset that you have. Um, 
and that might give them enough space to actually feel their feelings and allow those feelings to spill out so that they can let go of that emotional tension um, and you know it'll all burst out and then what we often notice and it's really good to notice this that if we can listen calmly with warmth and love um, and really listen to that upset then our kids are often much more relaxed afterwards um, it's like ourselves when we have a really good cry that um, uh, whenever we've been you know had a really bad day at work let's say and we've been holding it together all day and then we get out to the car and we're like we cry even better if we have like a loving adult who can listen to us and we have a big cry and we tell our best friend how terrible it was and we cry about it and then afterwards we're like you're like great I feel great now you feel much more relaxed and it's exactly the same for our children but the key is that they're not on their own with these big feelings we're not leaving them on their own we're right there empathizing and listening and supporting them and reassuring them that we love them and that they're safe we listen to the upset so this can really help because this is often the missing link in the sleep bit that our children um, are tired but they're not they've got this accumulation of feelings that are helping them they're stopping them sorry these this accumulation of feelings is stopping them from being able to relax enough in order to sleep so let me take an example of um, a parent I worked with recently and the process she went through to get her son to fall asleep on his own. So he, her, her son was very um, rigid at night time. He was about four years old and he was, he was very rigid at night time. He was sleeping in his own bed, but um, he had all the, this whole system in place of all the things that he needed and the, she had to stay with him until he fell asleep. And that was, she was just exhausted at this point and it was the same every night and it was a big nightmare and, and she wasn't enjoying it um, because it was taking so long. And then, you know, he would wake up multiple times during the night and she would bring him back to his bed and then he'd end up in her bed and then she wouldn't get any sleep. So it wasn't working for them. It wasn't working for them as a family and she wanted to make some changes. So, um, the, so the, the first thing that she did was she just proposed to him that they were going to do bedtime a little bit differently, that she wasn't going to stay with him um, to fall asleep. And th that was the first thing was just proposing it and, to, to, and just talking to him about it. And even really young children, we can explain, they can understand a lot when we explain to them. So she explained to him that, you know, I'm going to help you get to sleep on your own without me being right there. So you can fall asleep by yourself. And you know, it's safe for a child to fall asleep by themselves. It's okay for you to be there with them and tuck them in and have this lovely connected bedtime and to say goodnight and to leave the room and to, uh, I'm talking about kids who are, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years old. They, they can do this. And you know, you might choose to stay and you might love staying with them at nighttime. And that's completely fine. If you love the snuggles and you like to stay close to them and help them go to sleep that way, that is completely fine. But for this mom, it wasn't working. She was stressed. It wasn't very connecting. Nobody was very relaxed. She was getting really resentful of it and she wanted to do it differently. Um, so the first thing she did was just to propose to, the, um, to her son. Okay, I'm gonna help you get to sleep by yourself without me staying in the room. I'm gonna support you to get to that point. She explained it in a way that he would understand. And then she listened because he had a big reaction to that. Um, and now it could be different for you. It could be, I'm only gonna read one story tonight. I'm not gonna to read three stories. And you know what? I'm not gonna do the song. 
um, we're, we're just going to have one story. Because sometimes with this rigid bedtime routine, if we can mix it up a little bit, if we can, um, if we can disrupt that pattern, and we're doing it with, with love and with care and with attention, and not with harshness, uh, then we can support our children to, to feel those feelings that they're so urgently trying to, to keep down, and then they can sleep a little bit better. So the first stage is proposing, and then just listening listening to whatever feelings and it might take for this mum it took maybe three nights before she went even further than that any further than that so she just proposed and she listened no mummy you can't leave me I'm not no you must stay I can't sleep I can't sleep without you know without you right there you have to stay with me and she just listened and she listened and she listened for as long as she was able to and then um, it's okay as well just to say, okay, that, that's just, you've just proposed it. So then you can stay with him that night and you can, you can help him get to sleep that night. You don't have to see it through to the end on the first time that you propose this. So, um, so she listened and then she continued, then she went into her normal bedtime routine and helped her, her son go to sleep in the way that she normally did. And then the next night she proposed it again, a big upset. This time it was for less, this time it was maybe only 10 minutes this night, whereas the previous night it had been 15, 20 minutes of, of upset. The second night it was maybe 10 minutes of upset and she listened and she reassured him and I know and I'm going to be right here, I'm just, you're safe and it's okay, I'm going to just be in the next room. Um, and then on the next night he cried a little bit less and then I think it was on night four that she um, she said, you know that he, he he didn't get upset at that and he said okay okay I, I get it I get it um, and they did their bedtime routine and then she said okay it's time for me to leave she built in lots of connection lots of warmth and she gave him a kiss and she said I'm going to leave and she made it as far as the end of the bed and the tears came and she listened from the end of the bed and she um, and then she you know he got a little bit more upset and she came a little bit closer and he stopped crying when she got closer so then she said to him you know I'm here and I'm going to just stand at the end of the bed while you fall asleep. That's all. And she stood at the end of the bed and he cried again for another few minutes. And then he was able to go to sleep. And then the following night she did the same thing. And this time she was outside the door. And then by about night six, her son was able to fall asleep by himself. And the key thing is that she listened empathically and warmly. And whenever she felt he needed to, she went over and gave him a big hug and a cuddle. Um, and you know she was able to listen through to all his feelings of upset and all his worries about separation and all his sadness and all these accumulated feelings um, and then he was able to relax enough to and felt safe enough to fall asleep so um and then what she actually found as well was that as as she listened to these feelings that his nighttime waking um he, he started to sleep um, he, he started to sleep right through the night and he wasn't waking at night because he was um, because he was uh, he had let go of these big feelings um, and you know and if he hadn't if he did continue to wake at night what I would suggest is to uh, and this is a big it's hard it's really really hard to listen to feelings in the middle of the night um, to, to uh, what we call in hand in hand parenting is stay listening that's the process that I've described is to stay and listen to the feelings and it's really, really hard to do that in the middle of the night. Um, so what I would do, suggest is to start with the bedtime routine in the evening and to, to set limits there and to change things there in an attempt to help your child to access whatever feelings are underneath the surface. And then when when they have been able to do that, if, if 
they're still waking at night time or still coming into you, then you can try and listen um, during the night whenever you feel you can. So you can bring them back to their bed and you're not going to sleep in with me tonight, but I'm right here. I'm listening. I know this is hard. I know. Come here. Give me another hug. I know this is really hard. I'm right here. I'm listening to you. Um, so just to say that this is, uh, um, and this will support them to be able to fall asleep again, let go of those feelings and fall asleep and not have to come into you and not and, and not have to spend the rest of the night in your bed. Um, and what I would just really want to emphasize is that this is very, very different from cry it out. Um, cry it out is where you leave your child alone with their feelings. You leave them alone with their fears. You're not there to listen to them. They don't know where, you know, they, they feel completely abandoned and, and afraid and the fight or flight system is, is in action and, you know, they don't have your connection to feel safe. So what I'm talking about is supporting, is listening to our children's feelings, supporting them to let go of, of the fears and the sadness. And the, the difference is that with, with you there, with a calm limbic system, a calm emotional brain, when you're able to listen from that place, then that is very different, that you're supporting your child and you're helping them to heal from their past upsets. You're not creating a new upset. You're not creating a new trauma. You're helping them let go of their old traumas. So that's a really, really important point to make. And please, if, if I haven't been clear enough with that and you have any concerns at all, please let me know and I can explain further because this is really important that it's the, the very opposite of, of crying it out and leaving our children with their big feelings. Okay, so... Um, so that is an example of what one parent did and many other parents have done to support their children to, to, to get off to sleep on their own. But I want to talk a little bit more about the five things that you can do. So the first one I've talked about is, so number one is to propose the change in the bedtime routine uh, and do this when you're feeling calm and relaxed and connected um, and just to propose. And then the second, the second thing to do is to listen to the feelings and um, listen to whatever feelings come up um, and to do that for as long as necessary. So you're never leaving your child alone with their feelings. You're always there to listen to them and you're gradually moving away and gradually creating that distance so they can feel those feelings. But you're right there with them. You haven't left them alone. Um, now, the third thing is the third thing that you can do. And it's really, really important is to get emotional support yourself. It is really, really difficult to um, approach this with warmth and connection and to listen, to stay listened to these feelings um, whenever you are feeling exhausted and burnt out and uh, frustrated and resentful, th then that, that's not a very healing or supportive um, place to, to, you know, to support your child. Um, so it's really important to get the emotional support yourself. Um, and we do that through hand in hand parenting. We do that through listening partnerships. We you speak, you talk to um, another parent, you exchange time on, um, on a, you, you phone each other, you have a set time once a week and you, you um, spend maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes talking while the other parent listens. And then you take your turn to listen as the other parent talks. So you bring your bedtime concerns. You talk about how stressful bedtime is and how much you want this to be solved and whatever feelings are coming up. It could be fear. You could be thinking, I, you know, I don't want to um, abandon my child. I don't want to hurt them in any way. I'm so worried about them. 
um, and it, or it could be resentment. It could be, you know, I'm doing everything for them all day long and, you know, they just won't fall asleep by themselves and I'm at the end of my tether. I just don't have any patience left. And it could be any number of other things. Um, those are some of the common ones. And whenever we're able to vent and talk and, um, and really get it off our chests, what's going on for us, then we can approach our children with um, much more, um, we get our own stuff out of the way and we can approach our children with much more compassion and warmth and, and, and empathy. So, um, it, and, and a lot of this stems back what can be really helpful in our listening time. We can do this through journaling as well, possibly, is really reflecting on how bedtimes were for us. How did our parents respond to us at bedtime? What would they have done if we refused to go to sleep or, you know, if we were bouncing on the bed when we were meant to be lying down? How was that for us? Did they, re did they respond calmly and with warmth or um, was it very harsh? Um, and often it was more on the harsh side of things. So that's why we get big feelings coming up in the present when we're trying to support our child empathically with bedtime. Whenever we didn't receive that kind of uh, warmth and understanding when we were falling asleep. So get that step number three is getting the emotional support yourself. Um, so number four is that it's okay not to be consistent. So you, you propose for a few nights and you listen and then, you know, your child gets sick or you get sick or you're just too exhausted or, you know, you've had a, something else stressful going on. It's OK to take a break. It's OK to go back to bed sharing or to go back to helping lying down with your, bed, your child and helping them go to sleep at night. It's absolutely OK to do that. It's OK if you go on holidays, have them back in your bed and enjoy that. And it's absolutely fine. And you can pick it up again whenever you're feeling resourced enough to do so. So it's okay not to be consistent. But what I would say is, to, is just to consistently explain to your child. So to say to them, okay, I know I've been helping you to sleep on your own, but tonight I'm going to stay with you. And tonight we're going to sleep together and we'll pick this up again another time. But right now I want to help you get to sleep by staying with you. So it's really important to explain to your child what's going on, but it's okay not to be consistent. And then the, the number five is to balance all of this listening and all of these big feelings to balance it with lots and lots of connection because that's the third ingredient that our children need in order to sleep well they need to feel tired they need to feel relaxed and they need to feel connected so by building lots of connection in that's really going to help them to sleep as well so how can you do that you can do that um, one way to do it is through special time during the day it doesn't have to be um uh, right before bed but it could be right before bed to do a little bit of special time which is the one-to-one -one play time you can time it it can just be 10 minutes or five minutes it could be 15 minutes um so that that is just you know that just fills your child up with connection and makes them really feel your warmth to be really reassured that you love them and that you're paying them attention so that can really balance out all these big feelings that are coming out um, so special time can work really well. Another thing that can work really well is physical play, is play listening, a type of play listening which is um, rough and tumble play. So really physical rough and tumble play before bed can be absolutely brilliant. Now I would say don't do it like right five minutes before lights out because they're probably going to, um, they're, they're, you know, it's going to take them a little while to settle down. But what I would say is whatever where your bedtime routine is, you have dinner, and then um, after dinner, you get cleared up and then you've got a bit of a gap before bedtime. Get the play in there as early as you can. 
you can just set a timer for 10 minutes and have a big wrestle, have a game of chases, have a game of like who can push each other off the bed, have a pillow fight or a sock fight or something really like get your full energy. And the great thing is if you set the timer, it's only 10 minutes and you can, you know that you can stick it for 10 minutes um, and your children will invent their own games and make it really rambunctious and loud and noisy and fun and enjoy it. Um, and that really helps our children feel um, connected to us and it gets all their energy out and it gets all everything out and um, it can really I mean it's the thing that has helped me most with sleep of my children is really physical play before bed just for 10 minutes then you let them run up and down around the house and run around and burn off the, the energy um, for the next 10 or 15 minutes it might take for them to wind down again but they will what goes up will come down um, and trust that it'll come back down again and you'll be able to get them off to bed as long as you leave enough time for that um, so lots of so that's another way to inject lots of connection in another way to inject connection that um, my daughter used to love um, is that I would do this love potion at night time so whenever I was getting ready to leave and you know we've had our story and we've had our snuggle and I've, I've stayed with her for you know 10 minutes or so and then I would do this I said okay it's time for me to leave but I'm not leaving without my love potion so I'd whisper it into her ear and um, I would make up this thing you know I put in a spoonful of mummy and a spoonful of daddy and um, a spoonful a little tiny bit just a tiny bit of little brother and and then I put in you know, her friends and other family or grandparents and I would create this little scene about you know being in this magical land where um, you know where there was lollipops on trees and you're at the beach and there was sunshine every day and there was never sand in your sandwiches and I just create this little thing that was meaningful for us you know of all the things that she loved um, and we would mix it all up in a love potion and then that would surround her and keep her safe all night um, and she absolutely loved that it was like just a big dose of connection so or a, a different way of doing that is to you know okay I've got to fill you up with kisses before I go and you can kiss their toes and I think you need some kisses on your knee and oh, I haven't kissed your elbow for a while that definitely needs kisses before it goes to sleep and you kiss the, the elbow and um, you, know, you can have these lovely little rituals that like build in heaps of connection right before bed um, and then an, um, a, another great one as well is if your child is still quite resistant or doesn't want you to leave um, some play listening at, at um, you know when it's time for you to leave can be really really helpful um, and one that I've used a lot as well is that you know we're always trying to leave the bedroom and get get away from our, our child so um, if you can play with that and instead you know that you can't leave and only do this if you feel super resourced to do it but um, what you can do is um, you, you can say okay one last hug and you give them a last hug and then you go oh, uh oh oh no I'm stuck I can't get away oh no I'm stuck to you and uh, you can like make a big deal of like trying to get unstuck and then you can fall over and, and whenever you finally get unstuck um, so children love that and another one that, that my kids loved as well is that I would um, say okay night night and give a hug and a kiss and then I'd walk over to the door to the door and then I'd say um, I'd say oh I need oh no I can't leave I can't leave I need one more kiss and one more hug I promise that'll be it and I'll run over and I'll give them another hug and a kiss and then I'll go to the door and I'll be like can I just have one more please one more is that okay and then of course I'd be delighted and I'd go over and give it another big hug and kiss and I keep doing that over and over again and then finally my daughter would be like would you just leave would you just go now and I'd be like one more no no we'll just leave it we'll just leave it and then we'd both be giggling and then that would be it so 
those type of games can be really, really helpful. Now, what I would say is you need emotional capacity for that. You need emotional support. Um, and I, I got that through doing my listening partnerships. Sometimes having a listening partner that it's okay to vent to them as well, that you can message them before bed and go, oh my God, I can't go through all this again, oh my God. You obviously need to have their consent that that's okay to do that. But that can be really helpful to have either a little short listening time or a little venty listening post, listening text message to your partner before bedtime just to get you into that frame of mind that you can offer that connection that your child needs um, to help them go to sleep. So those are my five five stages, my five tips to um, support bedtime, support um, your child getting off to sleep well. Um, and so, you know, let me know what you think. Um, let me know if you have any questions. Um, and, you know, I, what I would say is that it's really helpful to, um, to maybe to set a time frame on it, to choose a time that, you know, okay, I'm going to spend these next two weeks and I'm going to really try and support my child to get to sleep on their own. And after that two weeks, I'm going to take a break either way. Maybe everything will be sorted. Maybe there's still some difficulties. Um, so that can be really helpful just to set a time limit on it so that you're like, or you could just do it for one week if that's all the capacity that you have. And then you can get lots of listening time um lots of listening support you can recruit people like um maybe your partner or some other help from grandparents um so that you can get more rest at that time you can ramp up the special time you can really put a big emphasis on setting limits and and stay listening to feelings during the day um or at bedtime um you can put a big emphasis on that and try to listen to as many feelings as you can um you can try and do your rough and tumble play before bed like this is very it's very hard to sustain all this um on an ongoing basis so that's why it's really helpful sometimes just to put a time limit on it and going right we're going to try and we're going to try and work on this for the next for the next week or the next two weeks um and see if you can get a shift and get and and uh, move things forward in that time okay so thank you so much for listening i hope that's helpful um and yeah let me know how how it goes or if there's anything i have left out or haven't haven't spoken about i'd absolutely love to hear um your thoughts um and yeah i hope that it helps thank you so much for listening today bye bye everybody If you enjoyed listening, I would be so grateful if you left a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. This will really help me to reach more parents. You could also share the podcast with any other hardworking parents you think might enjoy it. Thanks for your support. Would you like to get your kids listening so you don't have to shout and instead you can start enjoying being a parent? Then pop along to my website, pamtheparentcoach.com or follow the link in the show notes to get signed up to my next virtual Peaceful Parenting Masterclass. See you next time.